Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Sir, you have done enough and have performed a saint-like sorrow. There is no fault you could make which you have not redeemed. They indeed pay down more penitence than down trespass. But at the last, do as the heavens have done. Forget your evil, and with them forgive yourself. Whilst I remember her and her virtues, I cannot forget my blemishes in them, and so still think of the wrong I did myself, which was so much that airless it hath made my kingdom and destroyed the sweetest companion that e'er man bred his hopes out of. True, too true, my lord. If one by one you wedded all the world, and from that all that are took something good to make a perfect woman, she you killed would be unparalleled. I think so. Killed. She I killed. I did so. But that strikes me sorely to say I did. It is as bitter upon thy tongue as in my thought. Now, good now, say so, but seldom. Not at all, good lady. You might have spoken a thousand words that would have done the time more benefit and graced your kindness better. You were one of those would have him wed again. <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Plays The Thing. You've joined us for Act Five of The Winter's Tale. This is your podcast for all things Shakespeare. And we are at the beautiful conclusion of a play that we think should be more celebrated, more performed, have a higher esteem in the viewing audience. Um, you just heard a dialogue from Cleomenes, servant to Leontes the king, and also we heard in there Paulina. So at the beginning of Act 5, Leontes, who is our protagonist-antagonist, has lost <laughs> his wife through his own anger, has lost his son through his own anger, and he believes has lost his newborn daughter to his anger, his kind of raging anger, which dominated the first three acts of the play. Then in Act 3, we switched locales and we went to Bohemia, and there, all sorts of reunions happen. But but now, at the beginning of Act 5, after being in Bohemia, we're back in Sicilia, and Leontes is still, 16 years later, mourning what he has done. Whilst I remember her and her virtues, speaking of his, who he believes, deceased queen, I cannot forget my blemishes in them. While I remember her and her virtues, I cannot forget my blemishes in them. Okay, Emily, I'm so glad that you're back with us. Welcome back to the show. Um, 
we've been waiting for this. We've suffered a long time we for have. this. <laughs> and now we here have. we are. Here we are. I and know, I, finally. Finally, I was watching the, we've been raving about Anthony Schur, that actor who plays Leontes. And I walked, watched the closing act two nights ago and mm. I just started crying all of these <laughs> reunions <laughs> and all of this. I mean, honestly, I'll just be real honest. I put myself in Leontes' shoes. My my wife, as you know, is seven months pregnant. And so at the beginning of this play, when we saw Hermione on stage, she looked as pregnant as my wolf, wife looks right now. And yeah. I just imagine my it's gonna be hard for me to talk about, but I like imagine myself. I know. What if I had just been <laughs> had done what Leontes had done, just like raged in jealousy and, and turned my wife against me and lost my wife and lost my baby and lost <laughs> my son. Like, I don't know that I would really want to go on living, but here we join Leontes 16 years mm -hmm. later and he's been mourning this whole time. And mm -hmm. now we begin to see this turn. We begin to have redemption. Um, there's no other, I can't think of a better word for it. We begin to see redemption. So yeah. Do you, do we you get remember? A healing? Yep. Yep. We get a healing. Uh, this is a phrase that I've borrowed from Rowan Williams, but we get a healing without cure because all of the sorrow that has been suffered is still real, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. it is redemption, but it is a healing without cure. It is a healing that comes with the acknowledgement of all that has been lost. Shakespeare doesn't shy away from it. You said something off the show that really struck me in the Christian tradition. Um, the risen Christ's hands and feet and side are still scarred. The scars Isn't are not wiped away. No, the suffering remains with him. And this play is that. You know, like we suffer for the first three acts terribly and the suffering is still with us. And I want to talk about that, Emily. In fact, I think that might consist like the bulk of our discussion today might be kind of like, okay, what is Shakespeare? What has he taught mm -hmm. us, you know, in this play, mm -hmm. the possibility mm -hmm. of redemption despite still feeling the wounds of the suffering. Um, but I just want to mm -hmm. catch everybody up on what happens in this act. So we join everyone at the beginning of act five and Paulina, remember she was the servant woman to Hermione, the queen, the deceased queen. And she's insisting that Leontes not remarry, even though the courtiers, Leontes' courtiers are like, no man, it's time for you to get married. You have, you know, mourned long paid enough. Paid your price. You've paid yeah. your price. But Paulina, strangely enough, is like, no. And it doesn't seem like she's, she's not angry with Leontes and not wanting him to remarry. She's got some other reason for him not, for, for advising him not to remarry. When um, this conversation is happening near the end of it, two young people show up, Florizel and Perdita. This is Florizel, the son of Polixenes, and Perdita is the daughter of Leontes, but Leontes does not know this. Leontes thinks that his daughter died on a hillside somewhere in Bohemia. She was abandoned to the wolves. Um, but we learned in act four that she was preserved mm. by this shepherd. She was raised in Bohemia. Now she has fallen in love with Florizel, the son of the estranged King Polixenes. And now they show up in the kingdom. So, mm -hmm. Also, we learn that Polixenes and Camillo are on the way to the palace. And Leontes is like excited to talk to Polixenes, who he did so wrong. The young couple asks Leontes to speak to their father, Polixenes, on their behalf. Because late in act four, Polixenes was like saying to his son, dude, you need to marry somebody who's established. You need to marry some royalty. You can't marry this flower girl. She's beautiful, but she's just not of our stock. Well, 
she was of she turns out you know, she Tubi. turns out she was but he doesn't know that <laughs> so the young couple is going to leontes and they're like hey can you plead our case for us um one of the things that i love so much about the production is that in this scene with the young couple and leontes leontes never really gets that he this is his daughter he's sp- speaking to mm-hmm. um the actor, Anthony Schur, gives us these little indications like, gosh, you look familiar to me. You know, like these kind of yes. glimmers of acknowledgement. Um, but we do not see him recognize on stage mm-hmm. that this is his mm-hmm. daughter. And mm-hmm. at first, Emily, I thought, Shakespeare, what are you doing? We have been wanting it, right? But I have mm-hmm. an idea about why he held it off. Why? Why he did not let know. Leontes see, like, like on stage, mm-hmm. recognize Perdita. Because mm-hmm. it's told, it's told by somebody it's, else. Exactly, it's told by somebody mm-hmm. else. Um, Florizel, Perdita, and Leontes are all off stage, and we hear mm-hmm. secondhand. And this is how the king responded when he discovered that it was his daughter. Mm-hmm. I think that the reason that Shakespeare did that is because he wanted the fullness of the reunion to be between mother and daughter, not and, father yeah, and daughter. I, I agree because yeah. Leontes doesn't really deserve that. Does I he? know. I know. I know. Which is like exactly <laughs> what we are like talking about on this podcast. It's exactly he. Yeah. He did wrong and the scars are still there. Mm-hmm. And we don't, Present. it's like, it's like, we don't want to keep punishing him, but what's the phrase you used? <laughs> um, what without a cure? Healing without cure, healing right? Without there is a, a healing coming, but who can bring back Mamilius? Who can bring back the 16 right. years? Who right. can bring it back? No one. Right. No one. Yeah. He yeah. says in that, when it's reported, it says, as if that joy were now become a loss, this, mm. the joy of Perdita is the acknowledgement of the loss of Hermione, right? Like this joy and loss are yeah. inter, ineradicably twisted together. Right. Right. Yeah. Keep going. Okay. L- let me just, I want to say a little bit more about the plot and then I want to talk about this for a little bit, mm-hmm. this, um, healing without cure. Okay. So we also get a little bit about Autolycus, the kind of like bohemian playboy, um, which is kind of fun, but the climax of the play is basically everyone in the play has reassembled in the palace courtroom. And we have been promised by Paulina that a special statue has been made by this very decorated sculptor, and it is a sculpture of the deceased queen. But she also keeps planting these things like you need you need to have faith to see what we're going to show you. <laughs> and she's kind of prepping us, the audience, for something very special. And so there we are in the courtroom, lights down, lights come up on the statue. And the statue is of Hermione. And we hear from Leontes, oh my goodness, she is, the sculpture is so incredibly lifelike. Mm-hmm. I want to touch it. And Pauline is like, nope, not yet. Can't do it. Not yet. It's just been painted. Just, it's just been, been painted. painted. Right, right, right. Hold <laughs> off. So everyone is standing around observing this incredible sculpture. And then Paulina says, well, actually, you know, like there's an even more special surprise in store. And we see the statue, Hermione, dead, we thought, for 15, 16 years, <laughs> move. The statue moves, <laughs> comes back to life, reaches out. She and <laughs> Leontes touch. She's warm. And <laughs> the reunion is almost complete. Leontes and <laughs> Hermione have been rejoined. But now... Oh my gosh, this seriously makes me, I'm getting emotional talking about it. Now, mother turns to daughter and sees Mm -hmm. her daughter, like for the first time in 16 years, has not seen her since she was just an absolute babe, thought she was Mm -hmm. lost forever. And of course, Perdita, 
this flower girl from nowhere realizes <laughs> this is my mother. This is my father. I am royalty. My future with, you know, this man Florizel is now secure, but oh my gosh, I just like, I was a no one. I was basically an yeah. orphan being raised by a farmer. And now <laughs> yeah. look where I am. It is the most incredible turn. It's for me, it's, the comedies are always so satisfying because you want the couple to get together. And in the comedies, mm -hmm. the couple always gets together. There's a marriage mm -hmm. or at least, you know, the promise of a marriage, but this is mm -hmm. different. This is, it is. it's really it is. different. It's deeper, isn't it? It's so much deeper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So um, I want to, I just want to talk about this, this notion that damage matters, you know, because I think part mm -hmm. of why this play is so powerful is that it is so dimensionally deep and mm -hmm. the comedies. Okay. The comedies in a little way, we know we're getting a happy ending. We know we're getting the mm -hmm. bow on top. We know that all the wrongs are made right. And that we're going to forget about all the wrongs because there's going to be a mm -hmm. happy marriage in the tragedies. Mm -hmm. We get to the end and most times the wrong that has been done, I'm thinking especially about Macbeth, has mm -hmm. been overturned, but we're still in a lot of ways in the middle of the suffering. We don't get any of the yeah. kind of accrued benefits of the new and right ruler yeah. having assumed the throne, right? Exactly. We Here, don't get that. We get both things. We get I like, know. right? We get like the happy ending of the comedy. We get the overturning of injustice and things made just again. But the only way to really do it is by having us like accept the damage. Exactly. It does not come without a cost. Right. It is not some easy and neat. Um, I know we've talked about that before and much about, do about nothing when Hero and mm -hmm. Claudio, right, mm -hmm, get together. Mm -hmm. But like Claudio has been really awful to Hero, you know? Awful. And then yeah. it just seems like it's just done away with. Here, the um, suffering is always present in the joy, don't you mm -hmm. think? Mm -hmm. The suffering remains present even in the joy, that joy and loss married together. And, um, I think, you know, this is regarded as a, it's regarded as a problem play, isn't it? I, sometimes I see it grouped. I mean, don't, play, isn't it grouped I in that? I think but it depends nonetheless, on it, it is a mixing of tragedy and comedy, right? Right. Which, right. I mean, people weren't doing, we were talking about that in the pastoral, that the pastoral really offered that opportunity for the mixing, but the mixing and in many ways, it's speculated, like the mixing is more reflective of life because this is how our lives are. Yeah. Our lives bear the suffering that we've experienced, even when we carry the joy. And mm -hmm. this is one of the great gifts that drama gives to us. It makes us acknowledge these things that we would rather not acknowledge. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It makes us sit and acknowledge the cost that the suffering is, that damage does matter. It matters. Yeah. And it matters irrevocably. I mean, it matters forever. And like you said, in the Christian tradition, this is exemplified in the fact that even the risen Christ's body bears the wounds that he suffered. Those are not done I, away with. Those are not done away with. I think about these kind of, um, the, these two ways that we, that human beings tend to deal with suffering. One of them is to kind of, and I think this is a very kind of religious option. I would call it like maybe, I don't mm -hmm. know, like a kind of saccharine religious op option, mm -hmm. which is um, everything is going to turn out great. Any sort of suffering um, is to be kind of like overlapped on the way to kind of like the joyous path to heaven. And, yep. um, and, it's, and it's sugary and it's not, nourishing. The other yep. is a kind of, um, I would call it like maybe the irreligious option, which is, mm -hmm. well, what do you, what do you expect? This is like mm -hmm. life. There is, it is mm -hmm. suffering and the things that you hold precious get dashed. Everybody's life ends in death. The best mm -hmm. that you can do is a kind of like hope without any deep lasting optimism. That's the best mm -hmm. that you can kind of shoot for. Mm -hmm. 
And I mm-hmm. think that this play rejects both of those answers and at the same time kind it of like does. accepts parts of both of those answers and in, in combines <laughs> exactly. them, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Williams calls the first a disordered turn to certainty. And I love that. Yes. It's a disordered oh, passion great. towards certainty, isn't it? And um, we have all, I would imagine, been on the receiving end of being in deep suffering and having people try to make it not as bad as it is. Yeah. And no, yeah. I'm sorry. It just simply is. But then the other that you're expressing that turn towards, I mean, it's a turn towards nihilism, right? It's a turn towards nothing. It's a turn towards, which is like a protection because actually hoping is hard. Mm -hmm. Hoping is hard because what if you're (laughs) disappointed, right? Yeah, right. And um, in this, Shakespeare really does help us, I don't know, try to see that other path of remaining in the suffering. I mean, Leont- Leontes, boy, he he paints him so com- with so much complexity, doesn't he? Mm-hmm, he that, does. like, like Leontes is recognizing his fault and then he has trouble recognizing his fault. He sometimes yeah. says, "Well, did I really do that?" I mean, yeah. which I think is how all of us are. It's hard for us to admit when we've inflicted deep pain on other mm-hmm. people, "Did I really do that?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. But um but he uh, he does not let any of us in the act or in the play entirely forget the damage that has been done. Yeah, yeah. Can we read? Can we read this long quote from? I would love Williams? it if you read that read that long quote. Um, yeah, tell us the name of the book again, just in case people want to go pick it up. It's not a long book at all. It isn't. I highly recommend it. It is not only helped me enter into um, the understanding of tragedy, it has been personally deeply Mm -hmm. encouraging to me. (laughs) So it's both um, erudite and also very, uh, I would say devotional in a, an amazing way, but that's a very hard thing to bring together. Erudite and devotional. Is it not? Right. Right. So tragic imagination by Rowan Williams. Yep. And this um, comes near the end of his book. And he says, damage matters. Comedy deliberately does not address this. And Shakespeare's ambiguous endings are a way of letting us know that he, as a dramatist, knows this. But damage matters because what is damaged or lost or wounded matters and matters lastingly and ineradicably. Tragedy that did not leave us conscious of this mattering. And so of possibilities other than the ones the drama has enacted would rob us of proper mourning and so of protest. Tragedy points towards a comedy that imagines a restored body where the wounds are not ignored or belittled or explained away, healed rather than cured to go back to another thinker's idea. Perhaps the nearest that Shakespearean drama comes to this is in the ending of The Winter's Tale. New life, grief unresolved at one level, because it is still true that there has been mortal damage. Mm. The silence of the embrace between Leontes and Hermione, the final plea for more narrative, more drama. Quote, as Leontes says, each one demand an answer to his part. Mm. So, wow, what a profound... um, Meditation upon what these these two stage um, enactments give us, don't you yeah. think? Oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I, I remember kind of going back a little bit to what was the um, the false confidence, the what conf- or the certainty? What was the phrase? Um, he calls it a disordered passion towards certainty. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. That. That's a great line. It's disordered. It is disordered. Yes. My mom told me, you know, that like as a younger woman, but as an adult, um, she remembers kind of like someone at her church had suffered a, you know, a terrible loss of some sort. I can't remember. And she said something to the, like my mom was like, well, I'm going to bring comfort and I'm going to say, um, what is the, what is the, what is the verse that gets quoted at the, at the like the most misopportune moment? All things work together, together for those, good for those who yep. um, call in the name of the Lord. Are called whatever. according, according to his purpose. Yeah. Yep. And so mom kind of, you know, 
busts out that verse. It's scripture and it's, and it's true. And she could just tell that the person who was suffering was like, this is not what I need to know right now at all. This is not what I need to know. And so my mom, to her great credit, was like, yeah, that's not what she needs to know. And so she said, I'm not going to do that anymore. What I'm going to do instead is I'm going to sit down next to the person and I'm going to put my arm around their shoulder. That's what I'm going to do. For me, this play is that. It is. Exactly. It is. That's so good. Yes, it is. It is that. I'm going to put my arm around your shoulder. And all who are listening can agree with us on this. Yeah. Anyone who has suffered is, is like, that's what I want. That's what I really want. And, and mm-hmm. it, you know, maybe years from now, I will believe all things work together for good, you know, but it's yeah. going to take me a little while maybe to get there. It might take yeah. me a little while to get there, you know? It might take me my whole lifetime to get there. Or, because yeah, it might some take me my whole lifetime so to get there. painful. Yeah, that you can't, you can't look at somebody whose child has died of cancer and say that. You just can't do that. Right. Yeah. One of the things that, I mean, we just love this production, you know, by the Royal Shakespeare Company. And one of the little touches that I just thought, gosh, they just, every inch of this play is so well covered, is the closing music was, Mm, mm -hmm. it was like a a gilded mournful song. It was Mm -hmm. not a happy, Mm -hmm. bouncy, you know, Mm -hmm. frolicking melody even though like a shallow reading of the play maybe would get you that. No, it was like the suffering was even in the music. The closing I completely music. agree with you. Right? I, I appreciated that music so much because I thought exactly what you just said. It reflected the mixedness of this happiness. Yeah. 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 Um, that was so well done. One of the lines that I appreciated when he's, when Leontes is with, um, Florizel and Perdita is the Shakespeare does a wonderful job of kind of like building up the irony. We know what's happening. We know mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. Perdita is, but he mm-hmm. doesn't know. And I love this line, Leontes to the cup of the young couple. What might I have been? Might I, a son and daughter now have looked on such goodly things mm. as you. And you're like, mm-hmm. but you are. Leontes, you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I know. You are. I know. Yeah. But he doesn't know it. And it's good for him that he recognizes it. He says, is that the same situation, the same um, monologue where he says, oh, I had two children once that I lost. I, I think it's in the same scene. I don't know if it's in that. It's, exact in the, it's same not in that same bank. way. But yeah. even even there, it, right? He um, even there, he has he has trouble acknowledging. Yes, I don't have them because I sent them or I banished them to their deaths. Right? Even there, yeah. He, and so, why do you still, think that he? What do you? I mean, can like look into his psyche? Why does he not say that to? Florizel and Perdita. Um, don't you just think, I mean, this is what I was saying earlier about the complexity of his character, which Dan, uh, Anthony Sher does such a good job mm-hmm. of bringing to mm-hmm. light because it is, it is hard for us to sit with the consequences of our sin, isn't it? I mean, it's hard yeah. to sit and acknowledge it. It's like he acknowledges it. And then it's like, ah, it's so, it's so painful to acknowledge it that he hardly can. I mean, you could also say, he doesn't, he doesn't need to go into his entire past to tell them that, but right. um, it is, it is, oh, he says it's um, act five, scene one, line 165. Might, uh, I lost a couple that twixt heaven and earth might thus have stood begetting wonder as you gracious couple do, right? Yeah. But it is such, it is, it is a pleasing acknowledgement, even when he can't quite say the whole thing, because in that you hear the depth he perceives the depth of what he lost like his loss is ever before his eyes don't you think yeah yeah it just never ceases for a moment to leave him so it's almost too hard to bear it's almost too hard to bear it's almost you have to turn away because it's just too much i know that people who have gone through who've you know 
just done horrible things to people they love and have mourned over it. One of the hard things is knowing when is it enough? Yes. When can I say, you know, I've mourned yes. enough? It reminds me, did you see the movie, The Mission with oh, uh, yes. Robert De Niro? Oh, and, um, yes. One of my oh, favorite beautiful, movies when I was in is, high what, school. What's the name of the priest, the the actor who plays the priest? Um, oh, um, Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons and it, Robert De Niro. Right. And Robert De Niro mm-hmm. is this man who has abused mm-hmm. um, the inhabitants of this. It's a Central American mm-hmm. nation, whatever. And then he becomes, he converts and mm-hmm. he kind of takes on the full weight of the horrible things that he's done in his past. And so mm-hmm. he commits to penance. And so he ties this huge bale of armor onto his back and he drags it everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Like basically trying to like burn off this guilt that he has until finally Jeremy Irons, it's a great, powerful moment. sees like you have done enough. And he takes a sword and he kind of hacks it off Robert De Niro's mm-hmm. back. And finally, mm-hmm. he's kind of set free. But I think it was really interesting. De Niro's character could not do that for himself. Right. And, it, it, and another it, had to come in. Exactly. And do it for him. And it's, yeah. it's interesting that you're saying that because when, when, you, when the scene opens and we're with his advisors, all of his advisors are saying that, right? You have yes. done enough. Yes. You have done enough. Now you're putting the kingdom in danger. Um, and and Paulina at the beginning of the act, and if we don't know the story, then we don't know yet what's coming. Yeah. Uh, Paulina says, no, you haven't, because the um, oracle hasn't been fulfilled from Apollo, right? That mm-hmm. um, King Leontes shall not have an heir till his lost child be found. Um, and she says, the crown will find an heir. Great Alexander left his to the worthiest, so his successor was like to be the best. So she understands, she knows what's coming. We don't quite know what's coming yet. And it is a question is, and even in the Anthony share production, Paulina seems a little bit of a drag. Like she is just, it seems like she's sort of whipping him, doesn't it? Oh, like she's kind of. At the like, beginning, like she won't let him move on. Yeah, right. And we don't know the reasons why. I mean, it seems to me, maybe I'm wrong. Right. She just no, knows exactly. that, like, yeah. She, she has it all. queen is going to show up. Yes, she knows her queen is going to show up, but she also, um, it could be seen, and obviously the courtiers do see it this way, that she's just being, she's being terrible to him. Right, she's right. P- punishing him too right. long. Um, yeah, let the man she's stand also up, waiting for, finally. Yeah, come on. She's also waiting for the heir. So at this point, she doesn't know who Perdita is either. Right. Right, because that's still to come. Yeah. But she... Yeah. Um, but you could see her, she does seem somewhat um, demanding, not 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 in the way it's acted out, but just like keeping Leontes, no, you cannot marry. I'm sorry, uh-huh. you cannot do it. Now, don't you think that their relationship is really kind of beautiful? Emily, I want to talk about this. So can I go on a discursus? I want to like put a pin in. Yes, yes, you can. In this conversation and come back to it. Because I'm thinking, I'm still kind of thinking a little bit about Leontes's guilt. Like this is an mm-hmm. this is an, a a weight that Leontes cannot get out from under, no matter how much coaxing from his servants, you know, his his yeah. waiting men. I was thinking about this article that I read. I might have even forwarded it to you, called "The Strange Persistence of Guilt" in the Hedgehog Review. Mm-hmm. The Hedgehog oh, Review yes. is so yes, consistently yes, good. It's this little it quarterly, is. I think, magazine that so few people pay yes. attention to. I I want to go like, on a it. mission to like get more people to read the Hedgehog Review. It's always such fine and thoughtful and deep essays. So in this essay, the gist of the essay was why does it seem that the kind of like levels of guilt in our culture seem like they're getting higher and higher and higher when they should be getting lower and lower and lower. And the background being that the author of this essay quotes Freud and he's like, Freud is like, as soon as we can kind of like do away 
yeah. with the kind of like whole Christian mechanism of guilt and, you know, repentance, as soon as we can get away with that, well, then guilt won't really be such a burden exist. on us. It won't really yeah. exist. Yeah. And, you know, he's as optimistic as Freud can be <laughs> about such a thing. You know, it's like, let's get rid of this whole guilt mechanism. And the author is if like, we just realize it's our passions that are coming forth, then it will be fine. Right. Right. And once we were like, kind of like set mm-hmm. free from like free social manacles. Yeah. Yeah. And the author of this um, essay in A Hedgehog Review is saying, but the exact opposite seems to be happening. Mm-hmm. We are now becoming mm-hmm. more and more free of this sense of like guilt and, of, and no, hold on. I didn't say that right. We are more and more free of the kind of like mechanism that is part and parcel of Christianity and the, in the mm-hmm. prominence of the church. We are more mm-hmm. and more free of that. And yet guilt is seemingly heavier on and heavier. The increase, heavier and heavier. Yeah. And his point, and I don't know that he has any sort of like Christian background aside from he's, the, the author was very knowledgeable, um, mm-hmm. was, well, but the Christian church kind of knew that this was a deep, maybe like even the deepest thing about like what we carry in the world that we do we others wrong. We as human mm-hmm. do others wrong. And there is like front and center in the church's teaching is the opportunity for forgiveness. You know, mm-hmm. faith in Christ mm-hmm. leads to forgiveness. And then mm-hmm. that is kind of like the way that you say, okay, I can now through this in um, Christian terms, this alien righteousness has been given to me and I can accept it because I can't really do it on my own. Yes, I can't get there absolutely. on my own, right? And, and I think it's so interesting that that is kind of enacted in the return of Hermione. She is yes. a kind of an alien righteousness. And I mean alien, you know what yeah. I mean, Emily. It's I know like, what you mean, outside. It's something yes. from outside um, yes. that has returned to this imminent domain and has brought yes. a, a, a way for Leontes to say, finally, it's over. The guilt that I have been carrying for 16 years, now I can in good conscience leave it and have it leave me alone. Yes. Yes. To have the forgiveness. Like what a, you are so right in that. I'm, I feel I'm, I'm like crying right now thinking about the (laughs) profundity of this because the, the fact that we understand that sin has happened, damage has occurred. We have been wounded by others. We have done the wounding to others. The um, amazing reality, if you do not acknowledge that, you are no longer able to receive forgiveness that sets you mm. ultimately free, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. I think, what the what the essayist is getting at. Without an acknowledgement that you have done wrong, you cannot ask for forgiveness and you cannot receive it. Um, and that is the, and that's what we see at the end. We see forgiveness at the end. We see deep, true forgiveness. And we also see deep, true repentance, right? Like Leontes has had to face this over and over and over again. He's not glib. Like he, you know, Mm -hmm. that's the thing. That's what I love about this is that when he realizes it and it's act, is it act three that he realizes he's it's act three, right? Yeah. Act three. We, we would expect, and in most plays it would happen if there were to be a restoration, that it would happen relatively soon. Like that is what yeah. I love about this play. Yeah. He doesn't, like he has to live out, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> he has to live so, it out. Um, I just want to tell a quick story and then I want to return to the kind of discussion of Perdita and Leontes. Wait, Paulina. And Paulina, Leontes, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. I'm still thinking about the kind of like, um, ebb of the prominence of Christianity in our culture. And being from the South, I think that I have kind of seen its, whatever we're going to call it, decay or it's kind of like um, retreat Mm -hmm. a little bit later than you probably saw it in Colorado. I remember this Mm -hmm. one Sunday morning, I was, you know, dressed in my Sunday best. I was in my twenties and I was on my way to church and I had to stop and get gas. 
I go in to pay for the gas. This is back when you had to pay for gas, like at the cash register. <laughs> you're, and I, you're adding yourself, Tim. <laughs> I know. And there's this guy who's standing behind me in line and he looks to be about my age. And he looks like he had a rough night. Like, you know, he was beat up. He just smelled of alcohol. He had a rough <laughs> night, you know? And so um, he's like, he's looking at me and he said, you going to church? And I said, yeah. And he said, man, I got to get right with God. And oh, it was I so, it. it was so beautiful. It's like poignant. a Flannery O'Connor short story. Oh, it absolutely was. It feels like it that. Absolutely was. He was so sincere and he was, you know, he was just miserable. He was just miserable. Exactly. He I was not get, happy. He was not happy. But it just struck me that the solution to his problem was ready at hand for him culturally. Like, I mean, maybe he had like yeah. a long church background being from the South. He probably had some sort of church background, but like the, the prospect of like getting out of this life and the kind yeah. of guilt and ugliness that I feel from it. It's like ready at hand for him. Yeah. You know? There was some place to turn. There was some place to go. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And he saw the trappings mm. of it in my Sunday, my Sunday yeah. clothes. That that is a really poignant right. vignette you just shared. Um very poignant. Paulina and Leontes, the beginning of Act Five. What's their what's their relationship like? How would you how would you describe it? Um it seems to me, I mean, he is so he is so chastened, is he not? Yes. Leontes yes. is so chastened. So now he says, you know, you had read that his lines about um, the wrong I did myself, which I also think is quite poignant that he recognizes it wasn't just a wrong to other people, actually mm. wronged myself. Yeah. Right. Like right. I wounded myself by hurting others. And she says, yes, you did. She is always coming back to Hermione. She is always saying she was a perfect woman. You killed her. And then yeah. Leontes says, I think so. Killed? Mm. She, I killed? I did so, but thou strikest me sorely to say I did. It is as bitter upon thy tongue as in my thought. So he um, speaks back to her, but now this is not an angry Leontes. This is a chastened Leontes. Mm -hmm. And they seem to have quite a friendship after he was so calling her a scold, calling her, um, I forget that he calls her like a mannish witch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, he's, he, he's so he's, nasty. He's so nasty to her. And now, you know, his courtiers are telling him Mary again. And she says, nope, you can't. You can't do mm -hmm, it. And he says, mm -hmm. I will listen to you. I yield to you. I don't know. It's quite, do we have any other similar scenes in Shakespeare where, a king and a waiting woman have this <laughs> lovely relationship, you know, That's where he is kind question. of, he has yielded to her in many ways. Yeah. yeah he he has. now accepts. I saw so wrongly. I must, I must depend upon her seeing, right. That's what he because said. She I saw must for him. She saw truthfully and spoke to him truthfully in act three, maybe act two also. Yes. So of course he trusts her. He had, I mean, like she was the one telling him the truth when it was like, she, it, she was risking her neck to say it. Exactly. To then. say it. And that was one of the things that we said about Leontes, like you're in such a dangerous spot when you refuse to, when you refuse to hear from anyone outside of yourself, you're in a very dangerous spot. So Leontes has also learned that lesson. Hasn't he? He yeah, has learned the lesson yeah. that um, I am want to go astray. I am want to see things imperfectly. So if Paulina is telling me, I will accept it. I, yeah. I think it's remarkable. The two of them, they're now older. They're sort of um, together in the kingdom. I mean, it is, it is the feeling returning it to Cecilia of a very, at least it's how it feels to me, a barren kingdom. Doesn't it feel barren? Like, yes, yeah. Paulina has lost her husband. He has, Leontes has lost his wife. 
and his children. It feels barren. It does. And uh, without the flower giving life of Perdita, I mean, that Perdita is like a Persephone. She is like a, uh, the goddess of new life of spring. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. I, I always also lean forward when Shakespeare gives us a king without an heir because yeah. this was Elizabeth yes. for so long. And that may yes. not sound like a big deal to us, but what a massive terrifying possibility of the throne changing hands and not Societal having a established man chaos and everybody would yes. feel it. You know, like everybody January would feel 6th it. was like, you know, it was alarming. You're facing that possibility every time you've got a king or a queen without an heir. And so, so this except is part worse. of the, except worse, except worse. That's absolutely right. 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 Like that was localized. This would be like mm -hmm. kind of everywhere. This would affect police yeah. forces and sheriffs and yes. everything. Totally. Everything. Yeah. 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 It, it, we it don't is, feel that as much because we don't live under a monarchy and we have had, thankfully, 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 a peaceful <laughs> transition of power. I mean, this is one of, For I mean, over sorry years. to go on, like one of the miracles no. of modern life that we have had peaceful, peaceful transfers of power since basically, I know we've had other threats, but since the beginning of our nation, oh my goodness, a miracle to I be like tell my preserved. Students, <laughs> I tell my students that all the time, like you have no idea. No idea. The thing that we take for granted at every election, because you we are think right. It's normal. We, we think, think this normal. is normal and this in the, in the great, um, con uh, the great sweep of history is so abnormal. Totally. I say the same thing. I try yeah. to impress this upon them because yeah. you do feel it. I mean, so this is for James. So James has taken over for Elizabeth, right? It is right. interesting. So to contemplate the way it lands for Shakespeare's audience, because when, yeah. when Paulina says the crown will find um, its own or the throne will find its own crown, the crown will find an heir. That's what she says. Mm -hmm. um, well, that's James. That's King James. It is. It yeah. is. It is. It is really good to contemplate how this lands for his audience right. because it is right. a constant problem. It's a constant yeah. problem. Every a constant time. Problem. Yeah. Yes. Um, you mentioned off the air that this story, the conclusion of this story is a reverse Pygmalion. You want to explain yeah. that to us? Yeah, I love that. We know, um, let's see, it's Ovid who writes Pygmalion. Yeah. 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 That's who writes the original Pygmalion. And it's the artist who creates a beautiful statue. And she's so beautiful that he wants her to come to life. And she does. Mm. Right. And she descends. But it's it's a little bit of a, wouldn't you think it's a little bit of a Frankenstein story? Yeah. Like the, it, the trouble is, is that he has created her. So there isn't right. like a um, reciprocity. It's It's a dependence, which is problematic. Uh, My Fair Lady is the re the modern retelling. Right. right. Yeah. Um, but in this instance, <laughs> it's the um, the statue, which is supposed to be um, created by somebody. And I guess that's one of the things that we can talk about. Is it really created by somebody? But the statue that's supposed to be created by somebody is actually alive. It isn't um, that the artist brings her to life. It's that the statue brings in many ways, everybody else to life. Right. Exactly. Leontes Doesn't, comes back to life because comes back to life because of the statue is yeah. really Hermione. So yeah. is Hermione really dead? We've, we are, we've not even <laughs> touched on this question and, and it is like a big question <laughs> and it, it's okay. So in reading the play, I think you might in the, in, in the statue of Hermione begins to move. I think you might say like, wait, what? Hold on. Did I miss something? But in a production of the play, it's what you want more than anything in the world. You are is you, so you're right. like, wait, is Hermione going to come back to life? Is it possible that she's going to come back to life? <laughs> yeah. Please let her come back to life. And so your kind of hopeful imagination 
glosses the fact of like, okay, so did she ever really die? Or was this a miracle? You know, like what happened? Your mind just glosses it. And I, for one, am actually, I'm totally fine with that. Like we could debate. I am too. Right? I am too. You are meant to just sit in the wonder of it. Yes, Yes, right, right. Like maybe, okay, maybe we can posit a scheme in which Paulina, you know, she didn't actually die and Paulina <laughs> hides her for 16 years. Okay, we can have a little fun with that. It's not the point. It's not the point. It's pedantic and boring to do this. It's pedantic and boring. Sorry, if I... <laughs> If I offend anybody, but right. Like that is, that is what you're supposed to do. When Leontes says her natural posture, chide me dear stone that I may see indeed, say indeed thou art Hermione or rather there out there. Thou art she in thy not chiding for she was as tender as infancy and grace, but Paulina Hermione was not so much wrinkled, nothing yeah. so aged as this seems. I love yeah, that. It's like, so great. Right, Leontes, because, because damage matters. You don't damage get her matters. back as the young woman that she was. She is now no longer able to provide you an heir, right? Yeah. That's okay. Because yeah. now we have an heir. But I love the wrinkles. Can I, maybe that's just because I'm oh, getting me too. old. Just, no, me, I no, love the wrinkles. Me too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. I love that he put that in there. Yeah. Wait a second. She's so much more wrinkled than the one I knew before. You're like, bro, real life. Okay. Real yeah. life. This is real this, life. This is real life. Yes, this we is real life. miracle, but this is real life. <laughs> exactly. This is, I'm not striving for verisimilitude. I am right. telling you that we're living in a miraculous moment. Can we yes. read some of those lines that Paulina says? Please. She, I just love how she sets it up. It's how I want. I'm going to have an audio from the production that you and I watch. I'm going to have that to close oh, okay. the show, but I want to hear it. I want to hear it now also. Well, she keeps, you know, Leontes keeps getting worked up like at the, her veins. I feel like she's breathing. I, it uh-huh. seems like her eyes are moving. And uh-huh. Paulina says, Either forbear, quit presently the chapel, or resolve you for more amazement. Mm-hmm. If you can behold it, I'll make the statue move. Indeed, descend and take you by the hand. But then you'll think, which I protest against, I am assisted by wicked powers. Leontes says, what you can make her do, I am content to look on. What to speak, I am content to hear, for tis as easy to make her speak as move. This is the best because uh, Paulina's words are working on the audience as much as they're working oh, on for the aunties. Sure. She says, for sure. It is required you do awake your faith, then all stand still. Or those that think it is unlawful business, I am about that let them depart. Proceed, no foot shall steer. And then she says, and this is what that production does so well, music, awake her, strike. Mm. Once again, we have the addition of music in this play, yep, yep. right? Tis time, descend, be stoned no more. But I love that whole setup because this is as much for the audience as it is for the characters within the play. Yeah. And we are being brought along on this magical mystery. And we are asked not to inquire too hard about how Mm -hmm. it is to be this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think think to inquire to inquire too hard would be to kind of do damage to the play. Absolutely. It would be living far too much into our own experience of modernity, wouldn't it? (laughs) Because I mean, uh, not to be um, sappy about it, but in some ways we all have these deeply painful things in our life that are waiting for redemption. And in this, it's like Hermione is a gift to all of us as Mm. well, right? Like we may Mm -hmm. have, we may be in our 16 years of Leontes winter, And it's not the thing that's so good is it's not that it's not the saccharine ending, but we can hope for a Hermione-like healing. It's not a cure, but it is a healing. Right. Absolutely. Emily, I kind of want to end on that. Okay. I mean, we have so much more that we could say. Yes, it's been that long. There's so much. I know. I know. Okay. So here's the good news. The good news is that we are going to do a Q&A and we're going to do it with some friends of ours, the Alvarado family. 
How many kids do the Alvarados have, Emily? I should know this. They they have five. Okay. Um, But here's the remarkable thing. They have two sets of twins. Two sets of twins. Amazing. (laughs) A beautiful, (laughs) wonderful family. I've worked with them. They've got some great Shakespearean actors in their clan. So they are tracking along. They are fans of the Winter's Tale, and they wanted to hop on next week to do questions and answers with us. So we will have more time. Okay. It um, feels kind of sad, Tim. I'm not kidding. It no, feels it sad does. It does. Time. It's such a wonderful play. <laughs> it's such a wonderful play and it left me wanting for more. But also, I don't know. It's so satisfying, the end of it. It's so it satisfying. Is. It sure is. It sure is. Can I make a real quick plug? Um, we have listeners who are we are really grateful for And we would love it if you would just take 30 seconds at the end of this podcast to rate us on whatever podcast platform you listen on, Stitcher or Overcast or Apple Podcasts. Um, It really matters for the prominence of the show. We are more visible um, to listeners the higher our ratings are. And the high, the more ratings we actually have. So our ratings are really high and we're really grateful for all of you who have like starred us and written reviews. And so we're just trying to add to our numbers a little bit. We'll just become a little bit more prominent and that would be really nice. Um, be I also want to real quickly thank our podcast partner, the Circe Institute. That's C-I-R-C-E institute.org. If you would like to find out more about the future of classical education of which Shakespeare is not only central, but he is also kind of the product of a classical education. Mm -hmm. It seems like his education was deeply steeped in both the classics and in also Latin. He was, you know, a man of profound learning and we all benefit from it. So circeinstitute.org is where you can learn more about what classical education is and whether it's right for you or your kids. Emily, like tell us what you would like to leave us with before I play this audio of the kind of real climax of the play when Paulina awake, having been reunited with Leontes, um, excuse me, when Hermione, Hermione. having been re- reunited with Leontes discovers her daughter there. That's the audio that I'd like mm-hmm. to play to close. But what, what would you like to leave us with at the end of act five of the winter's tale? I don't know if I have more. I mean, I think Hermione's words are an appropriate way to end. Hermione, who has hovered over the play Mm. with so much grace and presence, even though we don't see her very much. Yeah. Her presence pervades the play. Um, She says, I have, I have been preserved myself to see the issue. Isn't that Mm. beautiful? Yeah, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. The baby was ripped out of her arms at an all too young age, and she yeah. has been preserved to see the issue. I just think, yeah, what else is there to say? Yeah, what else is there to say? So let's listen to that audio as we close out. Um, and join us, everyone, next week for Q&A with the Alvarado family. Turn, good lady. Our perdita is found. You gods look down, and from your sacred vials pour your graces on my daughter's head. Tell me, my love, where hast thou been preserved? Where lived? How found thy father's court? For thou shalt hear the die. Knowing by Paulina that the oracle gave hope thou wast in being, have preserved myself to see the issue. Go together, you precious winners all. Your exaltation partake to everyone. I, an old turtle, will wing me to some withered bough, and there my mate that's never to be found again lament till I am lost oh peace Paulina 
Thou shouldst a husband take by my consent, as I by thine a wife. I'll not seek far. For him, I partly know his mind. Come, Camillo, and take her by the hand, whose worth and honesty is richly noted. And here, justified by us, a pair of kings, let's from this place. What? Look upon my brother. Both your pardon that e'er I put between your holy looks, my ill suspicion. Good Paulina, lead us from hence where we may leisurely each one demand an answer to his part performed in this wide gap of time since first we were dissevered. Hastily lead away. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.